So, uh, we just take people back several years now. Um, when I was trying to like be somebody in powerlifting, trying to be somebody in the fitness community, uh, no one cared, you know, and I, I've, I've said that many times. I said that no one's fucking, no one cared. Uh, there was really no one by my side necessarily other than my fat friend, Jesse Burdick. <laughs> Jesse's always been there. <laughs> Jesse's always been there. And, uh. It was just hard. It was hard to like, it's hard to get any traction. It was hard to gain any ground. And I would reach out to companies. I reached out to bodybuilding.com and I reached mm -hmm. out to many other people. And I just, uh, what I was doing at the time, you know, uh, squatting a thousand pounds and things like that. Yep. It just, it wasn't uh, appetizing. Powerlifting wasn't as popular, um, as it is now. And I don't even really know how it happened. Maybe you can kind of point these people in the right direction of, of figuring out how some of it happened, but mm -hmm. Um, long story short, uh, I end up getting in contact with yourself and muscle mm -hmm. farm at the time. Yep. And, uh, this was like one of the first guys, one of the first companies, one of the first people that gave a shit. This was a guy that, that stepped up and said, yeah, we recognize what you're doing is sure. valuable and this is cool. Mark, this is cool. We want to, we would like to figure out some sort of relationship. Maybe we'll send you some supplements or, or maybe it'll work out some other way. So how, how did I uh, end up on your radar and uh, how did some of that all come to be? If you can remember. Yeah, for sure. If I try to turn back the clock, I mean, first off is I love powerlifting. So that was the first way. And I think that you're from, not just a fitness model. Yeah, I'm not just a fitness model, and that's you're that's too, like you're <laughs> too handsome. You're, you're too handsome that, and way too skinny for power. Yeah, that's and that's kind of what Louis Simmons said too. <laughs> skinny core, you want to squat, huh? Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those things where I think the strength sports was always on my radar, and I used to talk about all the time. Mark and say that I was a powerlifter stuck in a fitness model body, right. and so I, I always had this affection towards powerlifting because I did my first powerlifting meet when I was 17 years old. And got bit by the bug. I had a strength coach named uh, Coach Hoover that took us to our first bench meet. And I was like, I'm in. Shit. And literally, that was when I was 17. I'm now 39. I've competed, you know, three to five times a year probably since. Yeah. And so I think that I was paying attention to all of it um, and saw what you were doing, saw what you were building out here, saw the kind of stuff. And I always liked your kind of the way that you did things because you said this the other day. I saw you on social media talking about you're really good at being yourself. And right. so I think half WWE star, half businessman, you know, full-time lifter on top of it, I think it was appealing to me because it had a lot of similarities to what I was doing right. or trying to do. Because I was trying, I was running, you know, a pretty good company at that point, but I was also trying to be the first person that was running a major supplement brand, but also living the life at the level that I was maybe since maybe a guy like Bill Phillips or somebody, right? right. And so that's what I was trying to do. So I was absolutely paying attention to what everybody was doing. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm a student in the game and I just just had props for what you were doing, man. What was, uh, <clears throat> at that time, why was it important to you uh, to kind of lead by example? Like, because mm -hmm. most people, a lot of people that own supplement companies, especially the bigger brands, they're kind of sometimes disassociated with what's going on in fitness a little bit. And a lot of times some of the ads and stuff would, would even use, uh, photos mm -hmm. of yourself sure. where you're shredded, you yeah. know, you're, you're jacked and shredded. And then on top of that, you were also pursuing uh power lifting at the same time. Yeah. yeah. My whole plan was if I could grace multiple covers and be, have an elite total in the ballpark of the, those years that I thought that that would be very different than anybody else. And, right. and you know, 
it's so saturated right now and it has been for a long time. So it's like, how can you stick out and be different? Yeah. And, I, and I'm not a gifted athlete. I wasn't recruited to play sports in anything like, uh, you know, graduate high school, like 160 pounds with no abs. I mean, so it's not like <laughs> I was like a promising, you know, <clears throat> right. stud. And so I've put a lot of work in and had a lot of, um, vision to what I thought the Corey Gregory, um, I guess, fitness personality or executive or both what mm. that would look like. And when I had that opportunity, you know, I'd have friends that would say like, dude, you're killing it. Like, just why are you eating tuna for four meals? Like, yeah. and I'm like, no, this is the time to step on the gas. And I, and, I, but and they're I, like, you're already lean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was, uh, but, it, but it was uh, just mutual respect, Mark. I think that, you know, I can't believe it's taken me this long to be here. So I'll apologize for that, to be honest with you, but it's, well, I still uh, got to get out to see your place. Yeah, too. exactly. So we'll get you with the 4am crewers, but I think that mutual respect and I, I couldn't tell you how proud I am walking and seeing it. Oh, thank it, you, man. That means a it's, lot. It's, this place is yeah. awesome. Um, seeing the brand where it's went to, it, it's it's fun. Oh, it made me feel good when you came through the doors and I just, you couldn't, you, you couldn't hold it back. You I know, was like, you were, fucking sick. Yeah, you were super pumped. You're like, uh, I need to get my camera out. Yeah. Like, this is pretty yeah. cool. No, it's, it's just all love, bro. It's cool. What's the deal with this 4 a.m. crew? What's the fuck's going on? I see you post on social yeah. media, the hashtag and stuff. Yeah, like, it's only 1 a.m. your time. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's pretty damn early. <laughs> Uh, you know, what's crazy is that out of necessity for all the things we just talked about, trying to be an athlete at the same time as an executive and the most important is being a dad, right? right. So I just noticed that past 7 a.m. Eastern, my phone is, it starts to ring and it mm. doesn't quit ringing until I shut it off. And so I couldn't just dial in. A lot of like, inbound dick pics from me. Whoa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was one Podcast like a turn for the worse quickly. <laughs> and there it went down the tubes. <laughs> but it's one of those things where I couldn't concentrate on all the stuff I had going on. And if I wanted to balance those three major things, everything just started getting earlier and earlier. So I started training at five, which means I was out by 6.30 or seven. And that was right when things started happening. Kids are going to school, phone starts ringing. And then there's a really good training partner of mine named Corey Carpenter that's that uh, was working in the um, health and fitness field, but like uh, in like uh, medical, and now he's transitioning in the training. And he had to come earlier at four because he couldn't he couldn't come at five because he couldn't get all, all of it in. He forced everybody to wake up super early. <laughs> he, he basically forced, and 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 it's one of those things. I started telling the story a little bit more because I remember thinking, this dude's a really good training partner, and you know what? Fuck it, I'll just start getting up earlier because to me, what's an extra hour at this point? We're already crazy. Yeah. And it went from like five to seven people consistent. Some guys driving up to 45 minutes to an hour to be there, to be around it too. At 4 a.m. 4 a.m. So that means they're getting up at like two. It's crazy. You guys give each other shit for being late or is it a little lax? <laughs> a little lax though. Yeah. You know, we're, by the time we get done warming up, it might be like 4.20. Guys know? will be guys yeah. and they'll, you know, they're going to give each other shit at, no matter what, right? So at this point, the 4 a.m. crew, the infamous 4 a.m. crew, <laughs> which is kind of what we've tagged it, is now about between 20 and 30 deep on a regular basis, five days a week guys from all walks of life and all ages. That's what I love. It's from kids that are in high school all the way till we had a guy that's um, 50 years old. He's a baseball oh, coach locally that just squatted 530, Damn. benched 370 and pulled 525 at um, a 198. You know what I mean? Raw. So it's like- What I, what I love about, even just what I love about this story is just that it's still about those numbers. Absolutely. You know, it's still about <laughs> those numbers. Like, and, I, and I love that. And I love that, uh, you know, people- People can't let go of that. And it's important that that's always no. there because, always you know, I always important. say strength is never a weakness. It's always important to be yeah. strong. And, and it doesn't have to be that you're stronger than the next guy necessarily. That's cool. If sure. you can, you know, you get a couple of victories and you can beat somebody else, but it's being stronger for yourself and being Absolutely. stronger. Like as you get older, 
Maybe your goal is just to hang on to 315 or hang on to four, whatever that number is. Yeah. Maybe when you're, you're like, okay, when I'm 60, I'd love to still be able to squat over three plates. Absolutely. It's, it's about longevity. And it, the thing for me is I never had this kind of intensity for this long a period of time. I'd have a good training partner here and there, but dude, I got seven guys at 181 that are all right. And that are checking me. You know what I mean? I'm not the strong. I mean, I'm, I'm getting third in my own meets for my own crew. And you know, that's, they don't care what, what I founded or what I did. And yeah. I don't care either. Cause that's not about that. And I think that's what I loved about what Louie always did. Yeah. He separated the business and the training completely different. And I've tried to do that in my own way, obviously living in Columbus too, and having a lot of West side kind of influence. It's like when I walk in there, it does, none of that shit matters. And, and I'm in there trying to beat that dude. I don't care how old he is, what he's done before. Once we put that chalkboard on the wall, it changed everything. Yeah, your car, <laughs> your your car, your watch, Doesn't your income. Matter. It's like you could yeah, lay the all that. Don't matter, dude. It's yeah, like, <laughs> lay all that in front of the monolift, right? It's not going to do anything. It's not going to help. And so we've been able to create that because everybody loses it when they leave high school. Think about it. You're in your high school weight room, right? It's the camaraderie. Form's usually terrible at that point, but everybody's rooting you on. Yeah. After high school, if you don't play on the college sports, and even those weight rooms aren't usually as intense, it's gone. Yeah, that's true. Well, we're returning. That's what I think I love the most when people walk in and go, man, this feels like my high school gym. And I'm like, yeah, and that dude's going to kick your ass and that <laughs> dude's going to kick your ass if you don't pull that through bands right now. And then they're going to talk shit and, and it's still in a good way, but it's yeah. it's fun, man. I, where, enjoy, I enjoy it. Where does the drive come from? Where's the determination come from to, you know, day in and day out? Like, it's one thing to talk about it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah we're going to train at 4am, but it's another thing to like, to, to, to do, do it. it, do it consistently, you know? I think it's, um. We talked about this briefly before we got on the air. It's like, I start my day uncomfortable every day. So a lot of people, there is times I jump out of bed and I'm like, boom, let's go. Like, I'm going to kill today. Yeah. But that's not, that's not, that's not the high percentage of them. It's like, yeah. fuck, I was up to 11 and my kids had four sports yesterday. Like, I'm tired, but I know there's 25 guys that are relying on me being there. Right. And I know that if I can get through, you know, that, that being uncomfortable first off, that the rest of the day is just set up for success. Mm. And I believe sticking to that's been everything for me. How do you manage the stress? Cause like that could be a big thing. Like if you're not sleeping, mm -hmm. um, you know, something I try to share with people often is, um, I do wake up early, but I share the other side of that message. And I say, I'm getting my ass to bed as early as I can yeah. handle, you know? So how I'm do you manage like, some of the stress? Yeah. I'm, it, I'm in bed at 10. Right. If I, excuse me, if I push it to 11 too many days, then my training slacks from it because you know, five, six out. I mean, six is awesome for me. Right. I've, uh, I've done it for so long, you know, just to be in that ballpark of starting by five ish, um, that it's became very routine. But a lot of people ask me like, what, how the hell do you do that? And it's really just like anything else. I ratcheted it down. I used to train at seven, then I trained at six, five, four. And it, so it didn't just go from, I trained at eight o'clock and now I train at four. You know what I mean? But what I realized is that I'm walking out of the gym and it's still dark out. Right. I've already on the way to the gym, listening to the audiobook. I've trained for an hour and a half, you know, and got after it. I'm listening. I live a half hour, 40 minutes from the gym, gotcha. just like all the other guys. <laughs> listen to more audio material there. Then I usually would hit the track and lunge 400 meters, listen to more. So I've already like studied to make myself sharper mentally for like an hour and some change. Right. I've already trained for an hour and a half and it's like seven. Right. And I'm thinking to me, I think to myself, I have to do that to beat the other guys that are more gifted than me. And if they want to put, just like we talked about with Brady, like, I feel like I'm putting that time in just to fend off to keep my spot and to grow my stuff. And at the end of the day, if you want it, you're going to have to come get it in that manner because I, I'm not changing. Right. You know, so that's, and the consistency is everything. Well, you know, people of my whole life have always told me, 
you know, it's not that easy. Not that easy, Smelly. Like, not easy. that easy, Mark. Yeah. You know, people have always said that. And I've actually found that it's kind of bullshit. It is that easy. It is that simple. It's not necessarily easy. It's like easy the wrong word. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. But simple is the correct, is the correct word when it comes to drive determination and waking up at 4 a.m. It's not like you necessarily want to torture yourself. No. But it's as, as simple as you really like doing it. I love, I love what I do. You, I mean, you love, and, I, you and, love. I, and I can't wait to go there and beat one of these guys and talk shit to them. <laughs> but I think they get tripped out about it. Multiple of the guys have said it is that it's that important to me at this point in my career. But right. it really is because they set the tone. That group that I have there is so special to me because I want them to be successful, not just in the gym, but outside the gym. And a lot of these guys are like in their early 20s. They're starting businesses. They're mm. doing stuff. And so I'm, a lot of times we're at the gym competing, but half the time we're not even talking about lifting weights. Right. But I see the success that's happening outside the gym, which means that focus is spilling over, which is what we talked about. And so that's that's what's so special about old school gym in general. You know, my partner, Dustin Myers, like I said, he's the strength coach at Ohio State Wrestling. He's one of the top programs in the country. We got Kyle Snyder is the Olympic gold medalist that mm-hmm. is around the program. Like, I mean, there's there's some amazing, like, high-level just stuff going on around our gym, and it's it's special, man. From a mental standpoint. I want to be like you- in a movie like you one day, <laughs> like about it. <laughs> We're working on another one right now, my are brother and I. Yeah, I'm working Ooh. on a nutrition movie. So That's cool. things are going really, really well with that. How do you get yourself to this point? Um, I think I think sometimes, I mean, sometimes people are just kind of born with this. Sometimes people are just born with like an urge. I know at a very young age, you came flying out of the gate and had your own gym at 20 years old mm-hmm. and things of that nature. But are you able to build on this stuff? Are you mm-hmm. Is somebody able to build willpower? Because I think some people that listen to this show, some people I'm friends with, they'll, they'll just kind of scratch their head and be like, I don't understand, man. You don't eat any carbs. I don't understand, man. You wake up at four. Yeah. Like they think we're robots, but can yeah. somebody build into this? Yeah, I think so. I think it's like, whether it's business or fitness or whatever, I think there's those moments that like trigger something for most people that, that can take things to this level, your level, my level, everybody, you know, it's like, I, and for me, it was very simply that I was tired of watching my parents struggle check to check mm. straight up. Like we lived in a trailer. It cost a hundred, hundred dollars a month rent. And I just, at 15 years old, I saw my mom's W2 and I wrote a book called the mindset manual that I, I give away on my website. And it's like, it, it talks about these things. And it's like, I just made like this and I didn't know how it was going to happen, Mark. That's what was interesting. I just knew that shit was going to change. Yeah. And then I was willing when I found what I was passionate about, which I knew was fitness, but where I'm from, no one makes money lifting weights. Even the guy that owned the gym, he had another job. So, I mean, I'm from rural Ohio, fourth generation coal miner. Like everybody I know does coal mining and they lift weights and they're like, they're steel toes after work and they, they're all strong guys, but no one did it for a yeah, job. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, so I just, I just made a pack with myself. I'm like, I'm going to roll the fucking dice big once and I'm going to go for it. I'm going to move where I need to move. I'm going to go do what I, and I worked underground six months, saved 20 grand with every day I'm shoveling coal. I'm on my knees. The, the roof is as high as this table. And I'm just thinking, I'm going to get my ass out of here and, I, and I'm going to do it as big as possible yeah. for my genetics, for my time. And the miners used to say, oh, so you want to be like Richard Simmons. You want to be a personal trainer. I mean, they didn't know I was, just, I was just envisioning too, like you, you telling the other guys this, you know, oh, and, they, they, yeah. and this is a real, uh, like macho thing. Oh. Like they're, and they're. So anything you want to do, like to, to get any fame or to be, I'm going to be on a cover of fitness magazine. <laughs> they They're probably was, like, what? Yeah. They thought what it was you, crazy. Yeah. But, what you talking about? But the love that they've shown once it happened was unbelievable. Oh, like I said, cool. coal miners everywhere always. Cause I'm always repping miners because I understand like 
I knew in that period of time, which I only did it for six months, that I would get that that work ethic from four generations of family. I could understand what it meant. And then I, then it really was part of my narrative, like, I'm going to get it, I want to understand it, but now I'm going to change it in a major way and teach that next generation of Gregory's um, di- a whole different way to operate and understand, like, my kids, as your kids do, they see what I do every day. They right. know I love it. So whatever they love, they probably think, well, I should give that a try. Right. And that that really, you know, my parents didn't know that. And so no fault to them. It just, it just is what it is. So I was just really focused on whatever it took that I was going to do it. And yeah, whenever I, you know, had got my money and moved to Columbus, I was like, well, I want to try to get into personal training. I thought that was my main entry point. Mm. And that's kind of where it all kind of started. Do you think uh, coal mining is something that, uh, you know, gave you some of the discipline that you have still today? Sure. Yeah, because you had to be there at five in the morning. You know, I, I, I mentor a lot of the young guys. That are Did you there. work with your dad? Uh, my stepdad. Uh, okay. So, yeah, my stepdad. Uh, so I would work like with the belt crew. So if I can paint a picture for you real quick, it's like, Actually, the belt line from the coal mine is actually my floor at my gym now, mm. which is kind of cool because it's like old Goodyear cool. tires. And so basically, they would run tons of this coal on these belt lines that are so loud, you can't even hear yourself think. And you'd be shoveling in, you know, 40 inches. The ceiling's like 40 inches tall. And if it would spill. Some like, of it help you get strong, you think? For sure. My forearms and my grip. On, like, <laughs> I never lose a deadlift <laughs> right. from grip. I never have. And I think it's all because of shoveling 15 hours of coal for (laughs) like literally an entire summer (laughs) and so i think that the discipline of here's what i always say when you work with men when you're a boy it changes shit because i was so young and then i had to grow up like they don't give like you can't be late they don't want to hear that whiny shit and i saw some really tough dudes yeah you're like i hurt my thumb you're like like, fuck off what yeah (laughs) It doesn't matter if you hurt your thumb. We got a certain amount of coal to move today, right? Yeah. So it's just, I think that that was the biggest step for me is I worked at a sawmill and then I worked at a coal mine and those are both really hardcore blue collar jobs where those guys didn't really give two fucks. Yeah. You know, so that, I think that woke me up a lot. And then when I, I went, when the first person gave me $20 for personal training, I was like, oh, let's go. Yeah. yeah you're like, wait a second. I used to shovel coal for this. Now I get this. Yeah. It was yeah, a game changer. Covered in black soot all day. <laughs> it was cool. Um, how have your parents kind of played into a lot of this? Um, you know, the, the drive to, to train every day, the drive to, to keep pushing, the got drive to keep doing everything. You mentioned your parents didn't make a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't for lack of desire. It wasn't for work ethic. Yeah. They were working their asses off. Correct. Yeah. I think that they, and my, my dad, my dad who passed away about 10 years ago in a car wreck, he tried multiple, um, uh, different like ventures and they just never worked. Hmm. And and my mom tried a few things. And so he had some entrepreneurial He tried, spirit. yeah. He tried, I remember he tried like an interior <clears throat> cleaning bit, like a car cleaning business. He right. used to like train up uh, because the mines were always off again, on again, on strike and uh, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, he yeah. would have times where he might be out of work six or seven months and he'd start something up just right. to kind of get by. So there was a lot of that going on. So they both kind of tried and never could get anything to pop. What I do got to say is that they were always super supportive. So I never had people that were pulling on me in a bad way. Yeah. Everybody from where I'm from always gave me mad love, always was like supporting me and like rooting me on. So like I didn't have a family member that was a hater or that I never had any of that. So I was blessed there. Right. And because I moved away from where I grew up, I didn't really know anybody. So it's like when I started fresh, it was like they would come up and help me. They couldn't help me financially, but if I needed to paint the gym or clean stuff or do whatever, mm-hmm. my mom's always been there. I mean, you know, CoreyGFitness.com is one of my, uh, my online businesses is real successful for programming. My mom's my customer service. Oh, that's cool. And she's and she can work at, work at the house. My grandparents are both 90 years old. My grandfather's the one that taught me how to lift weights, so she can go and take them to their no doctor. No way, I didn't know that. Yeah, so 
she can go and take them to their doctor's appointments and do all that thing. And she can work on the computer. I've taught her how she needs to do everything. Mm. That business is done. I mean, we have members in over a hundred countries. And so that's she great. runs all that stuff for me. So she, that's her highest paying job she's ever had, which is wow. awesome. <laughs> Your grandfather worked out. Does he, is he still around? Yeah. He's not. Yeah. He's, he'll be 91 this he year. He still try to train. He, he does. He's got a, <laughs> he's got literally, he's got a dumbbell that sits by his recliner. So my grandfather, he's, uh, he's that's awesome. Dude, he's six, one, two forty five still. And he, um, he's the one, so his, the, the way the family tree goes, his dad, um, came from England and was, and was showing him how to lift weights when mm. he was like nine years old. His dad is back when no one cared about lifting no. weights. And, and they had like the lead shot, like Eugene, Eugene Sandow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the big right? ball. Yeah. The big balls. And so <laughs> I was telling Mark, we were walking down the street that that is my chalk bowl at the old school gym. I have part of his, his original barbell set at the gym and that's the chalk bowl. And so he, his his dad uh, Joseph died in a coal mine explosion in 1936. Mm. Him and his aunt, and his brother. So my grandfather, who's 91 now, was the man of the house at nine years old. Oh wow! And he started his you know working and I mean he's talking about shooting squirrels so they can eat. I mean it's like <laughs> yeah. and then he signed up at 17 to go to World War II. Like he didn't get drafted. He signed right. up early, and so when he came back from the war and started construction and did coal mining and he always lifted weights. And so he was the one when I was 12 that said, and my dad lifted, my, my biological dad lifted weights too. But he said, I, I want you to start lifting weights. I think it'll make you more confident. I, I think it'll help you get stronger in sports. And he goes, and the girls really like it too. And yeah. I was like, sign me up. <laughs> but he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's the good. best thing, Mark, was he was able to see it all. Mm. He's seen it all. He's seen me at 12 years old in the basement. And he's seen me introducing him to Arnold Schwarzenegger at my booth at the Arnold. Yeah. He's been, he's seen it all. He's That's seen cool. the amount of, um, you know, change I've been able to create in the family. And it's like for him to like grasp it, it when he walked into the Arnold, when we were at our height at the MP days, he was just like, he's blown away Yeah, because you can, That's he's not cool. on the internet. So you don't know, you yeah, know, he's yeah. 90. <laughs> it's pretty cool. That is really cool. He's come to multiple powerlifting meets. When I squatted 700, um, in a suit at uh, 198, Louis Simmons side spot me. Papa walked in right oh, before shit. it was time for me to go. And I was like, dude, if I choke this squat, my grandfather in the crowd and Louis Simmons call him the side. Right. I got problems. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Did your biological dad, did he get to see some of your success? He did. So he got to see the personal training part of it. Mm -hmm. He didn't really see any of the supplement part. So I always think I have like two lives. Basically I have the pre supplement guy, which was just training local business. Right. And then since I started being in the supplements, which is international business. So he saw that part. I was just starting to talk about the next part. And so, but he also, I remember like my, do my mom, used to do Jane Fonda records when I was a little kid. Like, I mean, literally record player. She used to use a rolling pin to do the ab wheel. Oh, that's my, great. My dad, I remember, he's like a small Italian guy, bench like three and a quarter, weighing like 160 in the basement with cement See, weights. there we go. Back to those numbers. I love it. That's it. Well, so that's what's funny that's about how, me. That's how you're judged. Dude, and, and that's the thing that I still, like every guy that's in my crew, I know what they did on their last <laughs> right. I don't know if you're like that too, but I, I've heard Louis oh, yeah, spit yeah. numbers for years oh, God, yeah. and it's like, I can, I know what they did in this meet and that, and they're always tripped out by that, but it's so important to me that, yeah, they just, they, they run off the top. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's, uh, something that you learned from your dad that you still carry with you today? I would say from, from my father, he, he probably made me want to go even more and go after it because I think he felt he never really verbalized this because he didn't talk a lot, but mm -hmm. I think he felt kind of It's stuck. interesting how dads are like that sometimes. Yeah. My dad was kind of a loner. So I, I see that in parts of me from time to time. Yeah. And so he was like really to himself kind of guy. So I, I think that he tried those little businesses and they never worked. And he always ended up, you know, he's a coal miner for 16 years. He was a truck driver for 15 years. I, I think that it made me say, I saw him, but I don't know if he really went, like if right. he really knew what it took. 
And so I always said, like, I wanted to take everything one step further. It went much further than that. I could have never predicted that. Right. I think that that was the thing is that I learned that I saw him attempt it, but it needed it needed more heat. Right. So. So there's a lot of manual labor in, in your history. Sure. And you've loved lifting weights from a young age. Grandpa taught you how to lift and you, you never looked back from that point on. Uh, you get deep into lifting and you, and you start to, uh, fall in love with the West side barbell method and all these cool things start to form as, as business is growing, as a lot of other things are going. Uh, but you had the opportunity to learn a lot from Louis Simmons of West Side yep. Barbell. What has some of that experience been like? So my first, I think you'll enjoy the story because I've only told it like one other time. I go to my second powerlifting meet ever and I'm probably like 18 years old and it's a push-pull meet and it's, it's in this no shit mark. It's in the middle of a trailer park. <laughs> I swear to you. And so, yeah, it's 19, I want to say 98. Making you, making you feel at home. Dude, I'm That's telling you. Started. So I go in there. And it's literally this gym in the middle of this trailer park. And all of a sudden, you know, you remember the internet's not really happening yet. All these huge ass motherfuckers roll in and, and Louis Simmons comes in. It's his, it's when he benches 600 on his 50th birthday and oh, I'm yeah. there. So I'm, I'm at, he used to call it the trailer park nationals is what he told me later. When I told him, I was like, Louis, I was like, I don't trailer know, park nationals. nationals is what he used to call it. I said, so I said, good. I don't know if you know, but I said, I was there when you benched. 600 on your 50th birthday i was like a kid i'm, I'm from that town i, I remember seeing the uh video of it he, and he jumps jumped, up yes yeah, exactly he jumped so in i was there guy's in, arms in like the third row and louis kind of short so <laughs> he like jumped into somebody else's <laughs> arms he's got his looked, denim shirt on it looked hilarious so so i so that was my first experience with Westside barbell far before i ever moved to columbus i witnessed that and i was like what the fuck is this and then i couldn't find it powerlifting usa i could read a little bit and so i was yeah i started being intrigued from that day on and then once I moved to Columbus, I was here for a few years doing personal training and mostly in the bodybuilding scene. Then when I started, like, I used to do some powerlifting meets on my off-season of bodybuilding, but I wasn't, I was, like, not really doing powerlifting until I, I met Tim Harold. That's what changed right. everything. So Big Tim, Harold. Tim's from, was, like, the same area or something he, as you, he, right? His, his dad lived right behind my gym. Gotcha. So Tim Harold, who, if you guys don't know, he's a super heavyweight of West Side, six foot six, like 4'10". <laughs> yeah. He walks to my gym. And I big, go, big boy. Oh, he's huge. You know, he, deadlifter. Yeah, he pull 800 raw, conventional, just a freak. He looked like a dude. The first time he walked in my gym, I said, I just come off a photo shoot. I'm weighing like a buck 75. I said, Tim, I want to learn West Side. He goes, You want to learn West Side? He goes, Okay, good mornings. We'll do good mornings today. This motherfucker, good morning, 700 pounds. Oh my God. The monolith was jacked to 21. He, I mean, there's no way I could have spotted if I tried, yeah. Mark. But I, I witnessed that and I was like, I want to get strong, like in this way. And so I was just like, yeah, you're like Holy all, shit. I was just all in, man. Give me a suit. Let me learn. Let yeah. me do it. And so it, and then, you know, over time, Tim got to where he's like, okay, you won't make me look like a loser. I'll take you on Fridays. So Friday night, I would go with Tim up the West side and, and it's I a would, big deal getting invited to West side. Barbara. Yeah. I don't know if I would call it invited, but they took me <laughs> along. That's why I always like to say like, I'm a West Side fan, and they let me go there sometimes. Just if you know, Ramos is Ramos was one of their best 181s. I'm really right. good friends with him. George's always helped, so a lot of the members have helped me over time. But I was never a full go, so right. I, I would I don't know that I could go all into that level. That was part <laughs> of the problem. But I enjoyed what I learned, and you know, I remember one of the first times I was there, this guy named Gritter was there, and I don't know if you remember, it was I one know, of Louis's buddies from yeah. back in the day. Yeah, and so I'm squatting at West Side, and I'm excited. I get there, and I didn't have a band set up at my gym. So I get up under the bar. I had a setup, but I had set up wrong. The blues, they were they were choked the right way, and it was like a hundred pounds more than mine. So I unracked the bar and I got a single ply suit on and it's heavy as shit. 
And I sit on the box and get up, and Gritter's like shaking his head, and it's plate, 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 and he's yelling, that's the worst fucking squat. Who the fuck brought you? Where the, what the <laughs> fuck? I mean, just in my grill, dude, just like, and then I'm, and, and I unrack four plates plus blues. This is way more than I've ever had on my yeah. back before. And he's yelling, hold, hold. And my fucking lower back, I'm just trying not to break, Mark. Yeah. Like, it's like just fucking <laughs> throbbing, right? So I box squatted for one on maybe like a 14-inch box, and I get up and rack it. He's like, that fucking was terrible. Start over. <laughs> and they deload. I'm like, I mean, they're fucking breaking right. me. And he's all, and finally, like, I work back up the three plates. I, I choke four the next time. I'm like, dude, what the fuck is your problem? Like, I finally couldn't handle it no more. And he just, blah, blah, blah. Louis on the other side. He's not saying anything. Next week, I come back in. Gritter says, ah, oh, I thought I scared you away. <laughs> like, it was literally just seeing if I was, I was, at that point, I had read about it for so long. I was so excited to be there that I was willing to just break in half. Yeah. I said, fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> I think my squad in a suit was like 600 at the time, maybe. Maybe. So was I remember uh, Gritter was in there one time, and there was a kid. You know, a lot of times at Westside, like high school kids would sure. come in. Sometimes younger kids uh you know wanting to get stronger for football or whatever it might be this kid's in there he's probably like 14 and he's wearing a michigan shirt oh, don't do that in ohio oh my god yeah in columbus ohio yeah. you know so gritter is like you got it and he just starts swearing at this kid yeah, and the yeah. kid's 14 i'm seeing it go on i'm like oh my god it's getting a little weird yeah but gritter he doesn't he doesn't have a filter you know fuck no dude <laughs> he's like what the fuck is this michigan bullshit and he goes to like take a swipe at the shirt i think he was kind of kidding around yeah the kid already had a little hole in the shirt and he ripped the shirt right off the kid yes and then louis felt so bad louis like you know yelled at gritter and yeah, stuff yeah. he's like can't be doing this shit in my gym da, 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 da. and he ended up giving the kid a west side barbell That's shirt awesome. but that place uh the, the environment in there is hard to really it's hard to really describe you and you remember the uh the monolift is in the back of the gym mm -hmm. and you remember when people would first come in you really knew who was determined to figure out how to work out who was determined on how to incorporate themselves and integrate themselves into the group because it would be rare for somebody to make it all the way to the back where the monolift was a lot of times people would hang out in that front area they yeah. might kick around the dumbbells a little bit and they might be like peace <laughs> <laughs> it um i'll tell you what even to this day like we did uh, a deal with tommy and where we got you know west side old school gym equipment we have our own belt squats so it's all going to go live and it's like just i i feel privileged just to walk in there still to this day it doesn't matter like you know i've trained there multiple times and those guys are all, across the board they've all been helpful to me but it's like i realize because i love the sport so much that's what a lot of people don't realize about me is that powerlifting is probably like I've done bodybuilding and the covers and stuff, but powerlifting is probably my main love. And so anything I can do to progress the sport uh, is huge. That's why we hold multiple meets at our gym right. every year. That's why I do programming. That's kind of a cross between bodybuilding and powerlifting because I think it's important to push yourself like that. Cause here's the deal. I could be in probably 20 bodybuilding shows, but no one wants to do it with you because it's so hard. <laughs> powerlifting, there's 30 motherfuckers that want to go. Yeah. So it's like, I realize that there's more camaraderie in that sport. More people can get together and do it. And I have this huge online community that's rallied around it. I mean, I had an online powerlifting meet. I, I'd never even seen that happen before. Mm. I, I created one for my for my, awesome. my people at my on my website. Bodybuilding we, might almost be antisocial a little, a little it, bit, and yeah, powerlifting you, might be more social, it, right? It definitely is. I mean, I had 335 people compete in this online meet. No way. And and there were some rough lifts because a lot of times it was it was brand yeah. new lifters right. that would never do a meet, but they could do it at their own gym. I gave them all the ways they had to shoot the videos and and, and submit them. 
and it created a bunch of new people that now I think will go out and do it. And so I'm really trying to progress the sport. A lot of people, you know, there's a lot of haters out there, yeah. uh, especially in powerlifting. It yeah. seems like you're trying terrible. to break down some of those barriers eventually. Yeah, right? I think there's there's a lot of people that could enjoy, could enjoy the sport that might not go elite, right. but they need to have their own goals to challenge them, dude. It's everything that going against yourself. The meat I squatted 700, I got third in my own gym. Right. No one knows that though until I just well, you told think you. About, uh, it's all about going about against yourself. Think about it. Sometimes in a community, they'll have like a like a charity like run. Yep. You know, like uh, hey, we're gonna like in Davis where I'm where I live, they have a turkey trot. Yeah. You know, and every year that people people just sign up for. It. They don't even care how far it is. They're not yeah. even looking at any of that because it's not about like the difficulty. For but sure. But then with a powerlifting meet. No one wants to like just sign up for a powerlifting meet because they're like, oh man, I might get hurt or I might do this or that. Yeah. But people can look at a powerlifting meet in that way, and <clears throat> it's like, just go get the experience from it and just go Absolutely. learn. Go, go, uh, just go see what you're made out of for the day. Like, just, if you're already training and you're already into it, why not give it a damn shot? And you're going to meet some really cool people, and you're going to learn Absolutely. a lot. You learn so much about yourself. Here's what I think: it's the date on the <clears throat> calendar. It creates urgency in your training because you know we do this for our life. Right. Right. So it's a little different skewed where the guy that's a lawyer, but also does powerlifting, he don't have a date on the calendar. So if he misses a workout, it's not such a big deal. Once that date's circled, yeah. you don't miss those workouts, yeah, right. right? It changes everything. So I think creating urgency in the community, giving them a date, uh, I noticed a huge, a huge like transition. And I think that um, people were just more serious. Yeah. And, and that's what I, I'm pushing for people to, to take it more serious. And that's the way you do it. You have to put yourself on blast. And I think there's a challenge of stepping up when it means like in business, in sports, whatever it is, the guys that are good in game time and get good at game time, it doesn't happen by accident. Like it's a, over time you get better right. at the, at the spotlight, whatever that may be. And I think there's something to be said for that. It could be trained. Yeah. My brother came up here and, uh, competed in the super training classic and he mm -hmm. benched like two thirty five and in a slingshot. Yeah. And then he deadlifted, I think, 405. Nice. But it's not about, you know, it's not, a, he, obviously he's benched more in his yeah, life. He's benched uh, close to 500 pounds and stuff like that raw. <clears throat> but it's not about those things. What it's about is making yourself accountable. It's about putting your ass Absolutely. on the line. And I was so proud of him. And the crowd yeah, was course. into it. People I were saw super the thing excited. Online. It looked awesome. I yeah. saw Jen competed too. Yeah. It was just, you know, it's just get some of those points, you know, officially on the scoreboard, as Dude, I, I always like to say. What did Kelly pull? Kelly pulled 562, I think. Yeah, yeah, he did well. I know he had his uh, he had his uh, heart set on trying a 600 pound pull, but I figured he had to be close. To it that gives somewhere. it uh, gives him another opportunity to give it hell next time he goes out That's there. Right? Cool. No, I think those kind of things, Mark, are huge. Like, I think uh, I saw that you do that, and next time I'm going to try to get a sideway invite because I think that, that would be, be <laughs> that would be that would be that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Now. Something that people don't may, may not realize is even though you just mentioned that you did some bodybuilding and some powerlifting back and forth, um, on top of that, you've been on the cover of a lot of magazines. Mm -hmm. And so you're in fitness, you've done some bodybuilding shows, and you've done powerlifting meets as well. Yep. You squatted over 700 pounds. Yep. I think you've pulled about 600 pounds. Yeah. So I've done uh, my best uh, meets. I've squatted 700 two different times once at, in, a, in a multiply, once at 208, once at 198. Uh, my best uh, raw squats five forty at one eighty one. That's what everybody's thinking. What does he do raw? Yeah, yeah. So I'm telling you, about raw? yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, but I did a five forty squat at one eighty one and a five fifty squat at one ninety eight raw. And um, I got hurt on a six hundred pound deadlift at in the one eighty one class. Mm. I opened at five forty. Six hundred was my second. So I've 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 pulled six hundred in the gym, but I've I've been I've never pulled in a meet. It's got me a couple times. It's on it's on my radar. Always. What is it about that uh, environment at Westside Barbell that that makes you so obsessed? 
you know, what, what, ha- what happens to somebody when they step inside that environment where you just, you can no longer stop thinking about it. I mean, you probably still to this day, Every day. are thinking about your training and it's probably some of it's spawned off of some of the stuff it, you learned. It at is. And I think it's, I think it's that unsaid that you have to bring your best foot forward. No matter, every time you walk in there yeah. and what I'm trying to create, Mark, is that in our own way with the 4am crew. And I've seen gotcha. it happen. I've got guys, I drove from Alabama. I slept in the parking lot. Like, dude, they'll, they'll, they'll snap me. Like, can you knock on my window? I've been right. there since 1am and they're coming there to PR. And they know because I've got, most of my guys are between 181 and 198. You know, we're pulling through band tension conventional the other day. And that's like 220 pounds of band tension. 15 guys pull these 405. Sure. I mean, that's pretty fucking legit. Yeah. So you, legit. I mean, and if you don't train like that, that's just going to bend you over real quick. Yeah. And so like when guys are coming into my gym is how I used to feel when I would go there. And it's like, that's what I want. I want people walking in. I don't have to tell them that it's intense or they better get fucking ready. Yeah. They know. And so that's what I learned the most of in. You want to be a little scared. Absolutely. I want an edge to it. And I think that that's starting to happen where we are open to the public, but the morning crew operates like a club. Now, if you're had the balls to come walk in and go get it, dude, open arms, like dap you up. Let's go jump in, jump in the group. But it's like, I can tell guys are nervous and, and, and they should be because they know they got to bring it that day. And I, and I don't, I don't mind that actually. I want that. (laughs) You know, at West side, you know, the, the intensity, we talked about it and what comes to mind is it's every time it is, is. no, it is. And and it's feel easy when you go through that. it, It gets to be, uh, man it gets to be wild because yeah like you're trying to stick to a plan or whatever and it goes out the fucking window real quick bro <laughs> at that point it's just like you start getting violent and start trying to just to break shit and lift as heavy as yeah. possible but it reminds me of the scene in uh i believe it's rocky three when uh sly he loses a little bit of his luster he loses a little bit of his intensity yeah and apollo, apollo. takes him into that old dirty gym and those guys have that look the eye of the tiger that's and that's exactly, exactly the same thing that you see at Westside Barbell. And that and that's that's what I'm trying to teach my guys is that we get through it there, then we go to the meets, it's gravy. Because our intensity yeah. daily is that good. And and I'm already seeing like I mean we have um I have a he does it at two twenty or two forty two, a six, you know, six and a half pound squatter, you know, mid four bencher. Like the other thing is I like to stress too is my entire crew is drug free lifetime. So I've got 30, these guys are all these oh, numbers. Cool. Yeah. So it's like, it's part of what the trend I've set in my gym, how I want it. And so all those numbers are on that board of all done without drugs, which is important to me. So it's like, I'm seeing 165ers, you know, squat 500 pounds, pull mid 500. I mean, even Ramos, Tony Ramos, one of my favorite guys from West side, he, you know, 2060 total at 181 ripping off numbers. Thought you like that. Yeah. And just a boss, right? Train with Chuck and all those guys in the heyday. He came in, he's helped us. He's like, look, there wasn't a lot of little guys at West Side. Mm-hmm. You guys raw are are very similar numbers to what we were doing in our heyday. And that right there, I let these guys know, like, we're on it, guys. And if we can push it to where it's not just we have 10, five and a half pound deadlifters. Now we need six. I'm trying to push everything up, all, all the right. GPP, all the stuff up so we can be an elite group of, of drug-free guys. That's that's my main push. But I'm telling you, it's all based from what I felt the first time I walked in Westside Barbell. Back to what you said in the beginning about it being all over after high school is it's, an interesting thing because everybody can identify with that. Everybody <laughs> can. And I think a lot of people played basketball or soccer or football or whatever it is that they did. And then there's, they don't really have anything else. Powerlifting gives everybody an opportunity to be an athlete the rest of your life. 
How long can you power lift for? My mom cheers for me just like she did when I played high school sports. Yeah. It's no different. Like that's what I'm saying. My grandpa walked in the chair for me just like he did when I played basketball in high school. It's no different. And so for my kids, you know, yelling for me when they're coming to watch their dad compete in bodybuilding or whatever, it's like I think that that's lost after right. after high school sports because there's what's the percentage of people play high school sports? High percentage. Right. And the the percentage that are still competing till they're 40 years old is yeah like next to none. Think about you know when's the last time someone cheered for you for something. Dude, I bet there's a bazillion people listening to this right now that it hasn't happened since they were kids. And dude, it's it's maybe. cool to hear my mom still say, go, Corey, before and I maybe, take a big squat. And maybe they never had, period. Like yeah. maybe they haven't had the opportunity to get That's involved true. in sports. Like if you're in if you're in band or you're in something else, like sure. you're not going to really, uh, you might say, hey, you did a great job with that painting, but it's still not the same thing, no. right? It's not it's not somebody uh, popping out of their seat, no. fired up for you. And, and it's the uh, tribe mentality. Right. Mark, as you got here, it's like, it's a like-minded group of people ready to sweat, bleed, and do whatever it takes together to get better. And there's something to be said for that. People want to be part of something. How good does it feel when you go to do a squat? Yeah. And one, two, three, four, seven, eight people get around you. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Come you on, know Corey, let's do you it. You can hang it on the line because they're there to catch you if you fall. Yeah. And, 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 and you weren't even thinking about taking it that far for the day. No. But they are. All the time. Now, now they're behind you and now you're, you're stuck. Yeah, you know, you have, you, you're on the spot. You have, you have, yeah. you have to get it done, and that's that's what I love about. And you're their leader, absolutely. So you I gotta step up. You can't be a chump. No, and that and that's the funny thing is like I've been off off and on hurt here and there. So it's like when the days are rolling, you know, because you're always battling. You've been oh, in as long course. as we have been. Yeah, and it's like when it's rolling, and I can't talk some shit. They love it, you know, because they they know what's funny about me, and I've always been this way. I'm not a guy that's really probably gonna beat you a whole bunch in the gym workouts, but I show up on game day like yeah. when i have probably no maybe no business taking certain weights <laughs> i fucking step up and usually make them so i'm a much better meat lifter because i realize that i'm ready to hang my spine out to dry that day that's just <laughs> how my mentality is and so i think that i've shown those guys that yeah they might beat me here or there but they know they better fucking bring it whenever it's time to go to the platform right. you know one thing i wanted to talk about was what i called you a few years ago when i did that muscle trifecta was a great example yeah. of that i said can I do an Olympic lifting Crazy meet? Crazy bastard. <laughs> Olympic lifting meet on Friday, a bodybuilding show on Saturday, and a powerlifting meet on Sunday. And so I went to three different events. And by the time I got the, 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 the Olympic lifting meet, I had, never, I had never landed a snatch in front of a crowd before. <laughs> right. So I only snatched 185, uh, not in kilos, in pounds. I tried 200. So my Olympic lift, lifts were not that great, but I had never landed them in front of a crowd of people. And I was right. afraid I was going to choke the snatch, like not land it right. And then the whole weekend would have been screwed, right? <laughs> so anyway, so I, I end up just snatching 185, cleaning, jerking like 250, nothing crazy. But I get up the next day and I get second overall in the bodybuilding show. So I, I mean, I looked much better than I thought. But when I woke up on Sunday for the power up to meet, I was a fucking train wreck. Mm. I mean, in the warm up room, 225 felt heavy. So, you know, I, I make 405 as my opening squat. I weighed 178 pounds. So I, I weighed in for the bodybuilding show, but also was out 24-hour weigh-in for the power. Thing. So I weighed oh, in for shit. both at the same time. So I make the 405, and then I call for 440 for a second because it, it felt rough. I make 440, and I go, eh, it's a little better. My nervous system kind of woke up. I was like, all right, uh, 480. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, fuck this. I want 500. I want the narrative. When I am on the power cast – that I squatted 500 yeah. pounds at 178 on the third day of competition. So I tell my dudes, wrap my knees, three meter wraps. I said, wrap these motherfuckers. My Vitello is about to blow off. I'm either going to the hospital <laughs> or I'm going to squat 500 pounds. And, and dude, when I walked up to there, 
I knew there was no other way. And it was, I was seeing stars and everything. And I, it was a total grinder. And I ended up squatting 500, benching 315, and pulling 500, you know, on that day at, right. at 181 raw. So I was pretty proud of that. But that, that was probably one of the things that got me out of the bed the most in the last couple of years because I knew, once again, it's so saturated. No one had done that that I'd been aware of to do Olympic lifting, bodybuilding, and powerlifting all in the same weekend. It was cool. Right. And it's, and it's just muscle a, trifecta. And it's just a, and it's just a goal that you set for yourself. You know, right. it's like something it, you fucking made up. I made it up. Literally, my friend was running a bodybuilding show uh, locally, and I can control the power of the meet because I was like, I'll just put it on Sunday because we right. can host it at our gym. And uh, there was a local CrossFit box that had a really nice platform. And I was like, hey, you guys want to put on an Olympic lifting meet? And they're like, yeah, do you want to do one? I'm like, actually, yeah, I want to do it. Uh, can we do like a Friday night throwdown? They're like, fucking let's go. Mm -hmm. And so I literally set it up. About a month out, I started telling everybody about it and put the pressure on myself. And yeah, I mean, I was really happy with the results. It was fun. So you ended up challenge. with some uh, great mentors, you know, running into, you know, the likes of Louis Simmons. And then from a diet perspective, um, he's not on the map for everybody, which I don't know why, but it should be. Yeah. Uh, you've uh, rubbed elbows for many, many years with uh, Dr. Eric Serrano, who's yeah. out in, Serrano's a in, boss. in Ohio, right? Yeah. Serrano also lives behind my gym, like about a mile, hmm. luckily. So Dr. Eric Serrano, it's kind of a funny story. When I started, I had a, a drug-free bodybuilding organization in, my, in, in Ohio for about seven years. I ran two shows a year. So I was promoting shows too. And I brought Eric in to help me with drug testing to keep the drugs out. And so I just started going to his office. I read about him online and we didn't know each other. So I just literally kept going to his office every day till he would basically talk to me. Yeah. And finally he was like, what the hell do you want? And I was like, dude, I think we should be friends. <laughs> and I, it, he was like, oh, and he's a goofball. And he's like, what? So he's like, huh? And so what happened out of that being relentless he helped me with that and then i started to become his like test subject so for amino loading for all these like weird he knows shit that he was talking about 20 years ago He's that so people are smart. still you know the reason why i have a i think an elevated diet kind of like background is because i was his test subject yeah so and he knew i was so disciplined on my diet that he could get real data for me and so he would literally say all right Corey, i want to do this and then fat load and do that i mean i remember you're like, what? Fat I was there. Yeah, so I did a fat loading protocol where instead of carb loading, like most people do, he's like, how much you think you can eat? How much fat you think you can eat one day? I want to see if it almost turns you anabolic. I was like, all right, let's go. So I got up in the, I was eating low carbs for like eight days. And then the fat load was on the ninth. I did a dozen of eggs with cheese on it for breakfast. My snack was a whole canister of cashews mm -hmm. with non-salt. I ate steak for lunch, ate another thing of cashews in the afternoon, and then I ate 12 more eggs for dinner. I weighed about 175. 400 time. grams of fat or something? Oh, fucking, I don't know. I, yeah, a bazillion. It was like ten, like 8,000 <laughs> calories. Right. So I go to the gym that night, and I was training at this old world gym at this time, and it, it had a bunch of really good bodybuilders. And no lie, I, was, I looked so nasty, Mark. I was lean. I was probably like 170 at the time. I was veiny and fucking like onion skin, like, and dudes were coming up and asking what cycles I was taking. I mean, I looked like a fucking freak. And I got up the next day, and I was lighter. Wow. I was like, how the fuck did I eat? Yeah, what the fuck? And I literally felt like, if I even know what it felt like, but I, I felt like something else was going. I think it was the elevated calories, all the fat. So, so Serrano, maybe make your body freak out a little bit dude, and try to burn up some of those absolutely, calories or something. Totally freak out. So I was doing things like that way before people in who Doc Serrano learned from was Mario Di Pasquale, right? Who wrote the anabolic? Is he diet. still alive? He is. He's about seventy also. So so I then became friends with Mario Di Pasquale. So Doc, that's who Doc and Polquin learned a lot from. Yeah. And so now. Mario, he lives in Canada. 
I would start emailing him. I, he you know, knows a crazy oh, amount of information. No, he's unbelievable. Do you? I mean, I, I don't even know like the science of any of this, but maybe maybe you do. Uh, can't aren't triglycerides that can be like in your muscles or something to that effect? Is that something so, that he was striving for? I, never, I could be speaking wrong. Yeah, I don't always. Know I can't all speak science. on that. I'm not sure. What I learned from these guys was this. So Deep Pasquale's basis of his diet, it was always high carbs about when he, you know, in the 60s, 70s, when he was kind of popular, he wrote the book called The Anabolic Diet, which is for free online. You can find it pretty much anywhere. But he said, can I change the way that guys that don't take drugs to get an insulin drug response by from carb loading? Mm -hmm. And so his thing was, you did a 12-day, pretty much 30 grams or under, very Atkins-ish, and then on the 13th day, it was everything in in sight and you could go from 12 hours to 20 to 48 depending on your metabolism and then after that it was a five and two five low carb and then two and i followed that for a really long time and had great results and then i over time started to have my own kind of tweaks and things by working with eric serrano and and pasquale but i was able to email him and he was so smart he would talk on the cellular level I would have to look up stuff to just answer his emails. Right. Because I'm like, dude, I went to school one year. You're like, like, I'm I'm like sure what, what the t- fuck are you talking about? But <laughs> yeah. So between all these guys that are around their 70 years old, between Dr. Mario Pasquale, Louis, and then Arnold, I mean, I think I'm the only person, I'll say it, that's learned from Louis Simmons and Arnold Schwarzenegger directly. I don't, right. I don't think there's another person in the fitness industry that can say that. Right. So that's pretty unique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very much so. Um, yeah, I remember Serrano was talking about um, like omega-3 fatty acids and he was talking about branch chain and he was talking He's about He's a branch chain maniac. He was literally probably one of the most forward-thinking people in branch chains. He had me doing like ungodly amounts of branch chain amino acids, you know, uh, from time to time. And and I, I realized I started to rely more on branch chains than I ever did on protein. Mm. I mean- I still take protein to this day, but I, I take way more branch chains than probably most. People. When you did the fat loading, were you even trying to consume a lot of protein, or was it just a kind of a there side? Was, yeah, there was so fat. much fat, so much protein that came with the fat that day, right. and then I was taking like forty grams of branch chains on top of it. I mean, it was like definitely an anabolic environment, mm. uh, you know, naturally. And the things that he would have me do, and then you know, or I would go to him getting ready for a photo shoot, and I would be maybe um, like I was getting softer because I'm always a person that probably does probably more than they need to because i'm always like one more session yeah, yeah. you know how it goes and he was like here's what i need you to do i need you to go eat a steak with four sweet potatoes do legs and rest for two days and you'll look better and like do i mean it was like this guy would just yeah. look at me I, I even at the point up to a few years ago if i couldn't figure something out i'd literally take a picture send it to him mm-hmm. tell him what i'm eating flip it right back i mean just like a mad scientist yeah, i wonder how he knew how to do some of that because uh being a doctor is one thing and knowing the x's and o's and stuff is one thing but then uh, knowing bodybuilding and knowing the body like that is a real talent. To honestly, it's a different talent. You it know? is a different talent. And living in Columbus, I didn't realize how blessed I was to have all these people around me. So some yeah. of that's luck. Right. Some of it's that I was persistent to learn from them because I don't have a traditional education. So I'm starting my personal training studio at 19, 20 years old with a one-year thing from the and a coal mining college. background and a coal mining background <laughs> with a guy that read a bunch of Arnold Encyclopedia. You know, so being able to learn from these people, I think, has set me apart from everyone else. How did the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing happen? So Arnold obviously is everybody's idol, right? And I mean, of course. And so it first happened by going to the Arnold. So it's kind of a funny story. Like the Arnold's having its 30th year. I've been there for 20. Wow. And so my, my girl, my girlfriend, which is now my wife, she worked at this bookstore on campus at Ohio state and her friend she worked with said, Hey, I'm friends with the people that run the Arnold. Do you think Mm. your boyfriend would want to sell programs? And then he get a VIP pass. So I was like, 
you know, at 20 years old, I'm like, sign me up. So here I am selling programs at the Arnold and it comes with a VIP pass, which is a picture with Arnold too. So I, you know, Arnold's taking pictures with a million people. He's not really talking to anybody. It's like such a kind of bang, bang type thing, but I get my picture with the, the man, the goat. Right. So yeah. I'm like, oh shit, it's on. Like I got this close. How do I, how do I, you know, eventually scale up to where I can learn and do all these things going to something like the arnold at that age is a huge deal too it's like overwhelming really opens your eyes and you're like fuck i want to figure out how to be part of some of this and that's what i said how do i get up in this whole thing right and so you know it didn't happen for a long time i I just kind of pursued the modeling thing did some fitness magazines and stuff and then once i started getting into supplements i started getting some traction as a businessman and here here's what changed it i wrote um i wrote an article called golden era intensity because i studied that's how i learned i have even when i met franco colombo i have uh franco colombo's pamphlet series (laughs) from the set 1977 that's you know would have been like their ebooks of the day right um that i learned from in in the encyclopedia and pumping iron and so whenever i was um i wrote about the golden era because i felt like i lived then to be honest with you i've studied it so much well i was banging on daniel ketchell to, to look at this article because I thought Arnold would really dig it. So here, here I am writing a one-page article that I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to like. Now, what's the, what's the uh, you know, possibility of that really yeah. happening? Well, probably not great, right? I send it to him, and that I was you know, at Muscle Farm at the time. That year, Arnold did read that article, mm. and he put it as a front page of wow. his website, Arnold Schwarzenegger, or Schwarzenegger.com, right. Golden Air Intensity by Corey Gregory. I never met him before, but I didn't realize he reads every article that's his website. So he understands it. If he read that, he understands that I get it. So then um, that's that's on Thursday before the Arnold. Well, all of a sudden, somebody shows up to the booth on Friday with a bodyguard. It looks like a boy bander guy. And I I have no clue who it is. And so they're like, hey, is Corey here? I'm like, yeah, I'm here. What's up? I'm like, what do you need? It's it's Patrick. It's Arnold's son. But I had never met him before. Mm -hmm. And this is years ago. And so he's like, hey, my dad read. He, He goes, my dad read the article. It's on the website. He's like, it's awesome. He told me to come meet you. I go, who's your, I go, who's your dad? He goes, Arnold. I was like, oh shit. Like I was totally, yeah, taken off guard. Like, Arnold. Yeah. And he's like, he goes, well, he'll be. I would know him from. Yeah, exactly. He goes, well, he'll be over on Saturday to, to talk real quick when he stops by the booth. So that's really how it started is him, me flexing training. Cause that's the thing about Arnold. When I see him, he never asks about business first. He always asks about training. It's all, it was always so important to him, just like it is to us. And so a lot of people don't understand that about him. Dude, when I, when I was at his house and I met um, Betty Weeder for the first time, this is how he introduced me to Betty Weeder. He said, this is Corey Gregory. He's been on a bunch of, we've done business, done a bunch of magazine stuff. He squats every day and he's got awesome apps. Like, that's Betty Weeder. That's <laughs> Arnold introduced. I was like, dude, hey, like, are yeah. you kidding me? Like, it couldn't get any better than that. That's, that's his profile. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was like, great. boom, I made it, right? So, but anyway, I think Arnold had respect from that first. And then um, he was, so I met him very briefly then. And then he had a book signing at at Easton for the Total Recall book. Now, dude, I had waited in line like everybody else. Mm. He was late. It was three hours. And I got a chance to get in front of him again for two seconds. And I said, Arnold, I don't know if you remember me. I'll be back at the Arnold this year. My business is doing this, blah, blah, blah. And he looked up from signing the book and he, you know, kind of nodded and whatever. And so at that point I had like two, two kind of touches, you know. And then we got a chance, um, Tom Arnold, the actor, um, knew one of our investors and basically kind of connected the meeting and said, hey, Arnold sees what you guys are doing and you got a chance to pitch him if you want to do business with him. Cool. And so I got the chance with the governor walking in and 
he said, you know, it was intimidating, but I, I got to tell you, I was so ready for that moment that I couldn't fucking wait to get in there. Yeah. And I was like, if this dude, when he drops it, I'm ready to tell him like, I want to dig in the pumping iron stuff. I want to remarket it on bodybuilding. I had all these ideas. Right. And he just sat down and said, why should I do it with you guys? He goes, it ain't for the money. And he just shut up. And everybody just started looking around. And I was like, and I just started riffing on like, you know, I, I know what's what the, the reason. Yeah. Right. What's I said, I think the kids in this age group need re-exposed to what, how great your stuff was. Let me, let, let's remark the, the, the pumping iron stuff. Let's rewrite the programming. Mm. Let's, let's give it to them, man. Let's, let's show them what it's about. The, I'm tired of watching kids on their cell phone. They need, they need the supersets back. They need the intensity. They need golden era, golden era. And at that time, the Get Swole program was one of the most popular programs on bodybuilding.com. So I had already been doing it. Right. I said, I showed them the, the trailer for it. And I said, dude, we can do this with your stuff. And I know how to do it. And then the business stuff all kind of happened. And that, that really wasn't my, my forte. I was on like, what do I do with Arnold Schwarzenegger? And I knew exactly what to do with him. And he, he knew that about me. And so he gave me a mutual respect. And literally, we've been friends since that day. That's because awesome. he knew that I understood what that was about. And I had a love for it. Yeah, I saw a picture of you and Stallone and cool. Arnold yeah. uh, all together. <laughs> yeah, it was, smoking a stogie. Yeah, so I was right? uh, I was at Ar I go to Arnold's Christmas party every year, which is awesome. And I had uh, it was me, Joe Maginello. I always jack up his yeah, last yeah, name. Cool. And um, the guy from um, uh, what's the famous movie, My Magic Mike, and all right, those. Right. He's a cool dude. And then I got to see Stallone too. And uh, Dolph Lundgren was there. It's like there, that's probably one of the things. Do you know Mike Ryan. Mike Ryan's a trainer down yeah, there. Yeah, I saw him there yeah, too. Yeah, yeah I saw yeah, him. Mike's I don't a longtime friend of mine. Yeah. I need to, I never met him, but I did yeah. walk by him. You guys him. get like, along really I was good. like, oh, yeah, I know that dude from Instagram. Yeah, yeah. But it was like one of those things where every year I go there and I sit on the back porch like everybody else. I'm smoking cigars and I'm thinking, holy shit. <laughs> like this actually happened. Yeah. And so that is probably one of the things that me and my wife, we, we get excited to go to every year and it resets like, boom, this happened. Now, you know, and I almost kind of like gauge it by the Arnold every year, what my business is doing and, and how thankful I am. And when I go there in yeah. December, because I still can't believe it is true. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. And you had a chance to interview Arnold. I yep. saw the YouTube video of it yep. and we'll connect the link uh, to this video when this appears. But uh, I thought that interview was great and I nice thought you man. nailed it. And I, I, what I liked about it was uh, you were asking questions that I, I think he's probably not used to. Sure. Um, and a lot of it was more training based. And I think there's something really special and it sounds like, sounds so meathead. Mm -hmm. It sounds so meathead ish, but you can't ever let go of those lifts. You can't Dude. ever let go of those no. numbers. You can't let go of the, otherwise the consistency is going to fall off. Yep. Have you had times in your life where your lifting hasn't been sharp? Oh yeah. A bunch of times. And, and I'm in wor the worst mood. It makes like, everything else start to fall apart, it right? It does. My wife will tell you, and even John, when we <laughs> talk to John, he'll tell you the same thing. He can tell when our conference call, we have a conference call at nine or 10 every morning. He can tell if I had a bad lifting day. Oh, it's, and I think that's what a lot of people maybe don't know about me is that is everything to me. Yeah. Like it's, it dominates my thoughts. I've done really good in business, but I think about lifting first. Mm -hmm. it, I just do because it, it's how I got here. And it's not because I'm a world record holder, it's, yeah. but I've got the best, every ounce of what I could get out of me. And so it's like those lifts that I've made that are like barely elite totals raw, but that was everything I had, like everything. So there's it's like, no, I'm, there's no like end. There's no, no, there's, there's no end to it. And you can always add weight and stuff. But when you go into like a meeting, there's, there, it's not black and white that way. Mm -mm. Like someone's not gonna be like, come on, Corey, like screaming yeah. for you, like no. in a meeting, like that would be 
I, no. I mean, that'd be great, but, it'd be yeah, weird. but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> but it would be awkward. Right. And there's no like final set or final rep, or there's no, like uh there's no physical fatigue. There's not, there sometimes can be mental fatigue, but it's just so different. It doesn't move the needle like that. It doesn't but get you excited that way. Back to even Arnold. I think w why I jived with him so well is because he understands the discipline that it takes. He had a mutual respect right. for here. Here's one of the biggest parts of that meeting, Mark, that I kind of forgot is, you know, I was on the cover of Fitness RX that month with my kids, which had never been done before that I'm aware of. And one of the investors bought it at the airport and mm. brought it to the meeting. I didn't even, I should have fucking thought about it. I didn't even bring it. And so I'm sitting there and we're talking and all of a sudden the guy throws it at Arnold. And so I'm thinking, and I'm sitting on the couch and, and he goes, he looks over, he's like, this is pretty cool. And I'm like, well, yeah, when you say that, it's fucking awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he goes through and the first thing he does, he opens up to this, it was like a 10 page spread at old school. Where's this gym at? I was like, well, that's my gym in Columbus, Ohio. I built after the golden era. I was like, it's, you know, one of the top, I think, hardcore gyms in the country. He's looking through it and he was like, this place is cool. And he just like, and then there's like, literally, this is where it freaked me out. There's a pullout poster, like an ab poster. And he's like, your abs kind of remind me of like Frank Zane's a little bit. And I'm like, Dude, at this point, I'm like, I'm like, wait a second, what's happening? <laughs> and so that's it was great. like one of the most surreal moments, but I, I felt like I was supposed to be there. I felt like all the hours, all the stuff I had put in, that it was all kind of coming to like this crescendo where I was just going to knock this thing out of the park. Right. And it like, I just remember that diet phase being so hard for some reason. I don't know if it's because I was busy and the family, whatever it was, but I remember it felt like one of the bigger sacrifices in that period of time. Mm. And I always say when you can work through some adversity, there's usually a huge blessing on the other side. And in that moment, it was worth every fucking can of tuna and every right. cardio set, you know, because I didn't, at that time I got in good shape. I didn't have it dialed in like I do now. And so it was a little bit harder on me that then. So it was all worth it, man. It's cool. What's your diet like nowadays? So now I follow. I know you like recently gained a little bit of weight to, to yeah, be a little so bigger have, for a little while. I have a version of, of Mario D. Pasquale's diet um, with my own, a lot of my own tweaks and then like an intermittent fasting kind of mixed together. That's actually probably. Honestly, when I when I left MP and started my online business, that's been my biggest like um, sales tool because I found, figured it out to where you know I mix those two worlds and there's some really good cheat stuff with beer and stuff on the yeah. weekends and that's been like my my main driver of my entire website. What, what is it about low carb a low carb lifestyle that really clicks that really works so well? Like I I try to explain it to people. It's hard to really put into words, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, being on the other side and, and not eating carbohydrates, just abstaining from them, yeah. uh, seems to set you on a path that al allows you to create, uh, behavioral changes and allows you to get away from clear. all these things that are addicting. I think that the sugar and the carbs, you know, the bad, the bad stuff, it puts you in a cloud. I think that, and even my plan, just for the record, we're not saying that they're bad necessarily, yeah. but we're, we're talking about people shoveling down pizza and ice cream yeah. and shit like that. Yeah. You're going to be, your insulin is going to be a train wreck, which makes you feel like a cloudy mess. The way that I've created is that even when we're on like diet phase, getting ready for something, it's still over a hundred grams. It's just the way that I've put it together. Right. Um, and the way that we spike before we go to bed, it creates some like stuff going on. So it's, it's really like at this point, like here's the difference from photo shoot to photo shoot between when I squatted every day, which was obviously always controversial, but it was yeah. a con once again, I mixed the conjugate method and John Bros's squat every day that he brought from the Bulgarians, kind of mixed that together. From doing that and doing this new diet approach, I was 14 pounds heavier from mm. shoot to shoot and doing lunges as my cardio. Yeah. And I was able to, I mean, 
at the not just sh- regular lunges. Yeah, walking lunges, <laughs> four hundred meters, eight hundred meters. You know, straight through. Crazy bastard. It's tough. You should you should try, Mark. I think you'd like it. And it's like one of those things where my body had changed so much, and I was squatting like four hundred plus at the photo shoot. Like, dude, I used to be like walking in these photo shoots like I was gonna die. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm missing something. And once I started doing, once again, just my own research and trial and error, and I started figuring out these things. I was able to start teaching it and the results we've had worldwide has been crazy. That's fantastic. And you're going to LA yeah. tomorrow to train with Michael Tren. Yeah. I mean, Michael Hearn. <laughs> I'm going to work with Michael Hearn tomorrow. And actually awesome. I'm really excited about meeting Robbie Robinson. I've never met oh, him yeah. and he's been training there. So I already text Mike like, Hey, is Robbie there too in the morning? Cause that's, he's on my list of guys I've never met. I've met yeah. most of the golden era guys, but Robbie's one of my favorites. Um, and then from there I'm going to be on drama's podcast, which oh, would be kind of cool. cool. John and I, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, Mike is uh, somebody who's oh. been bringing it for the last, I don't even know, How 30 years or something. 50? I, think I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, I think he's uh, mid to late 40s. I mean, right? I feel like he was on TV when I was a little kid. I think so. <laughs> I think so. I mean, <laughs> right? Stan Efferding is like 52 or 53. What a boss. And uh, yeah, I think I think O'Hearn's getting Gotta close right to 50 there. years old. He's a savage. That, that's one of those things like being at Gold's, like I'm not there very often, a couple times a year and being at Venice. Like I remember... I was there doing something and Lou Ferrigno was there and I had met Lou from a bunch of the Arnolds and things. And I was there lifting and I was like, you know, talking to Mike and like Lou walks in and like notices me and comes over, says hello. And I'm thinking, dude, this is like, you know, it just kind of happened through all the years of being at all the events, just like if you, but, but still these guys are guys that, I mean, when I was a little kid, I looked Incredible Hulk, man. Exactly. Right. And so I feel, I honestly, Mark, I feel super blessed that it's, that it's happened this way and that just like yourself, the impact that it's created on the community that has followed and done some of my stuff. And it's, dude, I get up, I'm, I'm pumped. I mean, it just, it just feels like a, a dream sometimes. If there's any sort of secret or anything, uh, or a little cheat code in the last year or two that you learned, that's mm-hmm. been really effective for you or the people that you work with, uh, what, what has it been? I would say the biggest thing from a diet standpoint that I found is I tell all my guys and all the people that are w- with me on the site is don't just drink beer on Tuesday for no reason. Don't just eat like a, a fuckhead for no, like have a, like do it for a reason. Meaning like if you have an event on Saturday, you know that you're going to be at your family. They're going to have barbecue. Save it for that. Like just be sm- like a little bit more strategically smart. Mm. Like I love Guinness. Care, care about yourself. Care about yourself. More. And just because most people are like oh, on Tuesday, I'm just going to get pizza because I'm lazy. No, like be a little bit more prepared. I'm not saying you got to carry nine Tupperwares around with you, but there's a strategy to life that can just make this stuff easier. We, we could celebrate every day. We could have an excuse every day. And that's what a lot of people do. And they feel like shit because of that. So like, dude, I love Guinness. I've got Guinness and Sam Adams on tap at my house at the pool. I love to drink beer and smoke cigars. Like that's like my vices, right? But I just wait till all oh, there's a group of guys over the house to, to smoke a cigar or have a, or have a beer. Or on Fridays, my wife drinks Guinness too, which is pretty epic. Most chicks don't drink Guinness. So it's always yeah, funny. I go yeah. to the bar and like if I'm not drinking for some reason and she orders one and the bartender comes She's to throwing bring it. down. Yes, they come to bring it to her and then um or to me and I'm like they're like they give me the nod like yeah that's cool <laughs> like but it's like one of those things like I just I think I had a better strategy so I can keep this up long term because I used to have you know I weighed 240 at one point mm-hmm. I weighed 165 at one point I looked like an anatomy book and then I had cellulite on my abs like I've I've done it all pretty much yeah. and so I've, I can identify with both. But I was like, how can I do this as a true lifestyle? And that's kind of what I've dialed in the last few years, I think. Which is good. Yeah, it's like, why not try to string together six days, eight days, 20 yeah. days? Just and don't it, do it for no reason. Right. And it's also, um, it doesn't have, you, you know, like you were mentioning, you followed a thing where 
uh, you were on like a keto style diet mm-hmm. for five days at a time and you get a little break on the weekend. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It, it can look like that, yep. but it can also look like just go as long as you can. Oh, so-and-so's birthday is coming up. Exactly. You want to celebrate that. Yes. Then you're realizing already that it's like 17 days away. Yeah. Why not diet just for 17 days? It might, it might be great for Use you. Use events that are true events in your life to like rest. Just don't make them for no reason. And the thing is, once you actually get to that point and once you go through that cycle over and over again, you'll care less and less and you less do. as you get there. You're yes. like, eh, fuck it. I'm already doing so good. I might as well just stay on my plan. And that's what happens. And so I think it's a, it's a time. Frame that's that, what blows people's minds. Cause they're like, I would never do that, man. They I, do. Yeah, they well, do. Well, the big thing is, is when you can get them on something, here's what I've noticed with start the, to feel good with the normal public that doesn't do this for their life. If on anabolic fasting, which is what I call my thing that I, I moved together with between the anabolic diet and intermittent fasting is like, they know they can drink beer on Saturday. Dude, that changes everything. Yeah. They know, and my I'm epic for tacos on Friday and drink beer Saturday. Not just one beer. If I want five beers, I have five beers, and it's like most guys can be like, "Fuck, I can do with that," you know what I mean? And they just they're good through the week, and we got you know the training. So like my thing that I've really made kind of my revenue on besides supplements is programming. That's that's what I've been known for. People since. need help. They need information. Absolutely. And and when you tell somebody, uh, okay, I'm gonna take these foods away that you love. Yeah. You can't you can't have these anymore. And you have to do a lot of stuff that you don't want to do. That hurts. That's uncomfortable. It it's very uncomfortable. And then you and I are scratching our head and we're like, I don't understand why you don't want to do it. I love this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the fucking best. This is the way to do it. I can't sit on the toilet. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that way. No. You, you go in, get some exercise done. Exercising uh, is always going to help. Um, but when it comes to the diet and the nutrition, things don't need to necessarily always be yanked out from underneath. No. You can keep them in your diet. Um, Moderation is a good thing, Mark. For myself, you know, coming uh, from 300 pounds down to where I'm at now, about 245 or yep. so. Um, I would say scale of one to 10, uh, my diet through the holidays was probably like a six. Yeah. Wasn't Me great, <laughs> but I gained like three pounds. So it wasn't the like, how I'm so built up right now. Yeah. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like on a tear to like eat bad. Yeah. Um, the worst thing I ate was uh, some like protein bars, but yeah. I don't normally eat protein bars. Sure. But That's more was, of a lifestyle thing. That's what I was doing about. a little bit more of convenience and stuff mm-hmm. like that at that time. But, um, from 300 down to the, the weight I'm at now, uh, I would say if I had to give myself a grade, it's probably like a seven. So yeah. to ask people to have 70% of their diet intact, I, I don't think it's that hard, especially oh. like if you're coming from, even if you're coming from just having a really horrible diet where nearly every meal is bad, which is if, a lot of people, yeah, <laughs> which a lot of people, what if we just switch to Okay, now you're at least having one or two healthy meals every sure. day. Now maybe you're incorporating some intermittent fasting. Yep. Now maybe you're incorporating some walking. Now maybe you're drinking more water. Stuff can change. Completely. Now maybe maybe you're sleeping more. These are all like add-ons. They're not. Absolutely. It's not like taking everything away from you. Well, I think people look at it the wrong way. They think, oh, I'm going to be so deprived. And it, you're right. It doesn't have to be that way. And we're the extreme version, right? <laughs> so when you're hearing us talk, it's like well, this is what we do. So I try to try to tell guys at the gym all the time, like, dude, you're so ripped. Blah blah. I'm like. This is my job. You're going to leave here and then do what your job is. I can't do that as good. Like, right. if I can't keep myself this way. I'm the leader. I got a fucking problem, you know? So I try to like set the tone. I have friends that are lawyers and all these things and are like, like, dude, I just wish I could keep this 20 pounds off. I'm like, well, what if you can keep 10 of it off? Like right. hold yourself to maybe a different standard than mine. Right. I want you to push for that, but that's not reality for everybody. This, this is what I do all day. Right. And so that's, I try to like kind of let that, you know, let them know that a little bit. It makes, makes a big difference. Tell me about your, you're competing. You're kind of towards the end. I know you said maybe even that last thing you did yeah. would have been it. 
Are you are you ready to hang it up all the way? Is that are we ever? Oh, no, I, yeah, I mean, I'm done just competing and getting on a platform. That's okay. all. And I just wanted to be able to kind of sign off my own way because the last time I, I competed, I tried a 600 pound bench and I tore my pec and I was like, that's not the greatest way to go out. But at the same time, when I, you know, kind of revi- revisited, uh, coming back again, mm-hmm. I tore my pec again and I was like, you know what, this is going to be a vicious cycle. 600 kind of your 600 was, it was something I wanted to do for a long time, but I was just getting greedy. You know, yep. when I got deep into powerlifting, as I started to really push the envelope, I wanted to squat over a thousand pounds. I accomplished that. I wanted to bench press over 700 pounds. I ended up hitting 854. I was just going to say, I knew the number 854. And, and <laughs> raw, like it yep. was my goal to do over a 500 pound bench. And I, and I did. And as I said, I kind of just got greedy. I was like, I kept wanting more and more and more. And I was like, you know what? This doesn't make any sense. Um, a lot of athletes uh, overstay. They yep. over you know, they overstay their welcome. And I was like, I don't really want to do that. I got blood work done. I actually got blood, uh, blood work sent out to Eric Serrano. And he was like, he's like, your blood is really bad. He's like, I'm very concerned. He's like, this is not, he's like, this is not good. And I was like, all right, well, I definitely need to make some changes. That sure. was actually kind of a while ago. And then I, you know, I, I got, I lost some weight and went back and forth. But anyway, long story short is I was like, you know, what? I don't want to, I, I don't want at the sacrifice of my, uh, I don't want to sacrifice my health for my strength. Sure. doesn't make any sense. A lot of people do that. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And I, and I've done that before. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, let's be You've done, done it at with the that. highest level, Mark. It just depends yeah. on like when, like you said, when's enough enough. It's, it's almost one of those things like kind of what Louis finally at, I think what 63, he had his last meet and he still did like 805, <laughs> you know, yeah, 500, yeah. 675 or something. But I almost feel like that is kind of my path that I, I don't know because of the group, because of what I, it's, yeah, yeah I, I like cannot leave it alone. Right, right. I, I just, I don't know. It's a, but knock on wood, I've never had anything like that. Right. So that, if I had an injury to that I'll level, also, it probably push me in a different I'll way. also, uh, you know, continue to push it in the gym and continue to get uh, many of the same things that you get from sure. stepping on a platform. Yeah. So. Um, and then also, you know, for me, I take a lot of pride in, in making my guys better and trying to make Absolutely. my guys, uh, lift more, lift more than me. I, I've always taken a lot of pride in the fact that, uh, my bench, my squat, my deadlift are not the biggest in the gym. Yeah, you know, even, even with some of those numbers being pretty good, we had a guy squat 1160. We had Ooh. a guy bench 900. <laughs> We've had a guy, you know, several guys deadlift over 800 pounds. So, uh, it feels good. You, you know, like you're lifting better. Um, in a way, I mean, I, I like uh, how kind of came up in that era, right? Yeah, I like it. it. I like the intensity of it. Yeah, and I like the excitement of it. Um, I, I guess I would probably like raw lifting more if I was good at it, yeah. but I'm not like great <laughs> I, at it. I honestly think I was. A be- I'm a better gear lifter too. That's why I asked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to describe to people, but I love the feeling of doing squats in in a pair of powerlifting briefs. Load them up, man. A dynamic effort squat. I mean, it just always felt good. So those are still things that I'm gonna do. Yeah. Um, I still love squatting and briefs and I still love box squats and like, yep. I almost uh, brought my briefs actually. That's <laughs> funny because I still want to do in um probably an 18, do one geared me. That's like on my yeah. plan because right before I got injured, when I was at my strongest, um, um, raw, I was planning on doing a geared me because I, I've went like almost elite, like three times in gear. I've just missed it. Mm-hmm. And the last one, uh, it was in Ohio. Louis was there. I squatted seven. And then I benched like, I don't know, like 430 something. I had to pull 600. And my raw my raw um, deadlift wasn't as strong as it is now then. 
And he was like, so you're going to pull six and get it? It would have been 1735, I think, at 198. I was like, fucking A. I opened at five and jumped straight to six and choked it twice. Oh. And, dude, I had it at my knees, and I, I, I'm i hanging everything. Yeah. Louis in the front row. I told him I was going to do it, and I fucking choked it twice. Yeah. Pissed. Well, now, yeah, now you have to do it. I have it. to do it. So it's on my list uh, um, probably soon to start working in gear a little bit again. Mm -hmm. But here's what's interesting is, the people that follow what I do, they don't even really understand that. So it's really a personal thing. It's not yeah. going to get me more followers if I squat 700 again. It doesn't really mean anything to anybody no. because Raw is so much more popular. But to me, coming up, uh, seeing all that stuff, it was a personal goal for me to say that I went elite in powerlifting gear too. Yeah, Burdick and I just talked recently about you know the old WPO days and well, how they're bringing intense. It back. I heard that. that. I heard so I mean, out. Dave Hoff and those yeah. guys are doing a WPO event at the Arnold again, which is about to be wow. epic, I think. Is it going to be actually at the Arnold or it is, is it going to be like offsite or something? I think, I think it's at the Arnold. Oh, that'll be cool. That would be sick, right? Because those were when Chuck was doing 11-something. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Travis Mash, all those yeah. guys. It was it was cool. Oh, it was intense as hell. <laughs> all right, guys. Strength is never weakness. Weakness is never strength. This is Corey Gregory. Where can people find you, buddy? At Corey G Fitness all over the place. And check out at Max Effort Muscles, the new supplement brand. Appreciate you, Mark. Later.